I work on with all parents is to help them recognize that their children actually do need to fight in order to learn about each other, learn their place in the family. So once the fight is over, their relationship is still intact. It gives you permission not to like your sibling. And that's okay. It doesn't mean that you don't love them. It doesn't mean that you don't have a connection to them. Hi, everyone. Lynn Smith here, and welcome to Stroller Coaster, a podcast that takes you on the wild ride of parenting that we're all on together. Created by Munchkin. No wonder they're the most loved baby brand in the world. We have got some fun coming your way because today we're talking about siblings. I'm going to talk with Dr. Siggy Cohen about her work exploring the relationship between siblings, both as a child development specialist and as the parent of three boys. Then we'll hear a story from Deborah Goldstein about how the relationship with her sister affects the way she parents her children. And don't forget, stick around to the end because you have a chance to win something later on. All right, let's jump into today's topic, siblings. Ah, that could elicit a really good feeling or a really bad feeling. Justin, as always, (laughs) here to chat with me about it. I mean, right, it could be our best friend or it could be our biggest foe. I have to say, my boys have been at it recently, just Mm. fighting so much because the little one has just gotten to the age where he realizes he can poke his brother back. Like, this is like a newfound power struggle. Oh, big day. Yeah, exactly. There's a little bit more equality on the battlefield. That's right. Sounds like. They've just figured out these power dynamics. They're the same, you know, they're two boys. So all the competition's there. It starts to get really intense. And so what we really want to get to is what are some of the strategies to manage this? We can't learn to just live with it. We want to manage it. is brothers and sisters can be best friends or instant rivals and everything in between. So today I want to find out how siblings affect the lives of each other as they grow up. We're going to do our best to answer that question, which is why I'm so excited to talk to our first guest, Dr. Siggy Cohen. She's a parenting and child development specialist whose lifelong focus is on family dynamics. Simply put, she is a peacemaker, helping everyone in the family to feel better, communicate better, and to connect. Dr. Siggy, thank you so much for being with me. I appreciate it. Yes, of course. Thank you. I think a lot of people assume, well, you're the peacemaker, so your kids must get along great. Is there any sibling rivalry that you deal with? Well, not anymore because my kids are uh, adults at this point. But yes, of course, that um, I dealt with it. And everything that I talk about in in all the different ways that I uh, explain how to help siblings actually get along is not to help them not fight, but to teach them to fight well. And so I did that exactly with my kids. And they are grown-ups, and they do get along very well. I I love that fight well. What does that look like? Right. So in most cases, parents tend to think that when the children are fighting, it's either bad behavior, they're doing something wrong, and they need to intervene, take sides, obviously, and manage the fight. What I say is, one, uh, fighting between siblings or any two people is just part of human dynamic. We can't not fight. So the illusion of our children not fighting is... um, 
is an illusion. <laughs> the assumption <laughs> is an illusion. So what I work on with all parents is to help them recognize that their children actually do need to fight in order to learn about each other, learn their place in the family, understand human dynamic, help them fight their fights, manage the fight. So once the fight is over, their relationship is still intact. I love this idea that you have that we want to help our children manage their arguments, right? We don't want to tell them, just don't argue. But how do we do it? What are some concrete tips you can give us? So you walk in, they're in the midst of a fight, screaming, um, you become stressed. What you want is to remind yourself, fighting is okay. It's okay to fight. My job here is to guide them through it. You start by narrating. Oh, looks like you're fighting. I can hear. Yes, there's a lot going on. If you physically need to step in, you do that. Um, stopping them from being physical with one another. No judgment, no lecturing right here. What is going to happen when they hurt each other physically? It's like, whoa, uh-uh, no. So once again, your authority, your guidance is right there helping them recognize some of what is happening. Now, one is screaming, the other one is yelling, whatever it is, you're like, I'd like to hear what happened. You look at both of them, you can say something like, and I want you to know I'm going to hear both of you. Who would like to start? And you pick one. It doesn't really matter. Again, remember, in the back of your mind, it's not who is right and who is wrong. It's really just being there, witnessing, being present for what it is that's happening to them so they can help actually help themselves. You hear, you start with one, you hear the story, you validate, you acknowledge, you have some empathy. Active listening is not adding any of your judgment. It's more like getting the story out. Uh Uh-huh. And then what happened? And he did really. Wow. And you do the same for the other. While this is happening and they actually got a chance to tell the whole story, they feel heard. And right there, calmness actually sets in naturally, because feeling heard is one of the most or the greatest feelings we can have. Now you look at them and you say, thank you for telling me. I love how you each explained what just happened. Now, remember, this is not your problem. You're really just there to help them get through their problem. So you don't take the problem and decide what to do. You give it back to them. So what would you like to do? I heard your stories. Do you want to say something to each other? What would you like to do now? So they are part of the solution, not just part of the problem. It's so interesting that you say that. But what do you think some of the barriers are that are stopping parents from really understanding how our children relate to each other as siblings? What's stopping us from seeing this? Judgment. (laughs) It's hard to say that we judge our own children, but we do. When we look at What stops us from managing their fights well is the fact that we have um, our own judgment about our children and the way we see the situation um, very, in our mind, clearly. One's a bully, one's a victim. And that is a very terrible place for any of our kids to be and for us to think that about them. You say, don't try and end the fight manage it. And one of the key ways to do that is not by asking that question, what happened, right? You hear them screaming and you want to run into the bedroom and say, what happened? It's almost like you're going to be the arm of justice. But what should we do instead of that? How do we effectively manage this? 
Right. So the question, what happened, and you're absolutely right, um, because all parents do that. What happened? What's going <laughs> on? What did you do? Right? <laughs> There's always that, like, approaching one. Puts the parent in a situation as if they don't actually know. Your children are looking at you and going, oh, you don't know what happened? So now we're going to tell you our side of the story. But actually, you are much wiser than that. And you absolutely have to present yourself to your children as that. So don't put yourself in a, in a position of clueless because you're not. I've also really tried to help my boys understand why they're so lucky to have each other. Like the sibling relationship is really unique. I know this from having a sister. You might not appreciate it when you're young, but, you know, explaining to them that uniqueness. How do we do that? You're absolutely right. But in the moment that they're fighting and even in other situations, when we say stuff like that, it really is just a lot of words, very abstract, that don't fully mean anything to them. Because when your brother is annoying you right here and right now, you can't think of the future and you can't understand what the benefit of having him there. What you can do is when you say that, you know, because you can definitely tell them, yeah, brotherhood is very... Uh, it's a wonderful thing, it's important, so on and so forth. Let me give you an example. And now you want to rely on their experience rather than on your experience. Your experience to them is abstract. Their experience to them is concrete. So remember when and take a situation when they actually did get along or help each other or enjoyed each other's company because there was no other thing to do. There were no other kids. And right there, you gave them a very tangible, concrete understanding of the complexity of relationship. What do you think for one-child families out there? What can we do to help those children get some of the benefits of a sibling relationship? So sibling dynamic is not the only way to learn about relationships. When you do have siblings, this is your way. This is the way in which you can understand relationships and practice that. But we can't assume that an only child doesn't have opportunities to learn the same. Maybe it's a little different but they can still learn. So there are many different types of dynamics and absolutely you can expose your child to that. One is the relationships with you, cousins, friends, um, mentors, um, in different types of, first of all, absolutely school, um, enrichment classes and so on. So you can expose, and I don't mean you don't have to do too much of that, but when you have an only child, you want to consider the fact that you probably need to do a little bit more to expose them to relations, to peer relations in order for them to learn and practice that. Yeah, I've seen that from only children of have the real special bond that they find either in cousins or in best friends, and it is possible. What are some activities we can do as a family to help build a healthy sibling relationship? That's a great question, and I love that because there is an activity you can do. So take a random time, sit around the table, Taco Tuesday, pizza or ice cream. Some people do it in the car when they're driving um, to maybe, um, you know, some distance and they have that kind of time. And you say, here's what we're going to do. So I say two things about myself that I think I'm good at and two things I'm not good at. And I do that about everyone else in the family. We're going to go around and while each one of us talks, 
everyone listens. One of the things we are helping our children here is actually active listening, but we are also learning to talk to each other about ourselves and one another and expose weaknesses and maybe even lacks without feeling put on the spot, without feeling shame or guilt, and without doing that, guilting or shaming to anyone else. We are learning about each other in such a safe kind of place. Children also get a kick out of that. They realize that it's kind of fun to talk about real things about each other and about ourselves and notice when they go around the room and everyone else is hearing and listening that there is recognition, there is acceptance, there is actually validation. The ultimate peacemaker. You've certainly lived up to your name and inspired many of us to just reevaluate how we are managing this very complex but beautiful relationship between siblings. Dr. Siggy Cohen, thank you for being with me. Thank you. For more on Dr. Siggy, you can head to her website, drsiggy.com, where there are tons of resources. There are parenting courses and daily tips that can help you build a stronger connection to your children and between them as siblings. I laugh, but I don't laugh, Justin, because I've honestly not been doing any of this when it comes to my boys fighting, but it makes so much sense. It's just keeping the perspective of that you're managing the fight. You're not ending the fight. It's counterintuitive, um, but it's absolutely right. Like, you can just hear the way she's talking about it. But the idea of walking in and calmly being like, I'm enjoying that you're having this fight, and let's manage this effectively. (laughs) Definitely will take some practice for me to start doing that. It's managing my own emotions that I have the biggest problem with. It's like, why am I getting angry and being a part of this fight? Why not just let them have at it? Do your I just wonder whether or not there's so much of this that has to do with gender. You have two girls. Do they feel competitive um, about the other? And I, I think it's definitely with my boys. And I wonder if it's the same for the girls. I mean, I, I obviously, like you're saying, I don't have boys, but. I feel like they fight like animals, like wild animals. So I, I don't know if it's a gender thing um, for me anyway. Do you feel like your boys fight more than other kids? <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, I, I hate yes. to admit this. Hard yet, but I, I also think it's because they. I see it. They're competing for either our attention or against each other. And, I'm, and I love the advice that she gives because now I want to focus more on putting that back to them of saying – I see that you're doing this rather than stop, stop. And and it, it feels like maybe if everyone brings that peacemaker mentality to the situation, it'll it'll diffuse some things that before just sort of escalated over time. And I think there's a lot of great hope if if you parents out there have children who fight a lot. My sister and I did growing up. Yeah. And now we're best friends. I think that these relationships can really evolve. <music> Sibling relationships are not set in stone. They change as we grow up and affect how we parent our own children, especially if we're raising a pair of siblings of our own. Deborah Goldstein is the creator and host of The Big Fib Podcast, whose relationship with her sister changed over the course of her life and left her with some interesting lessons that she brings into the lives of her own two boys. Here's our correspondent fleece with the parenting story of the day. Deborah Goldstein is a writer and podcast host whose relationship to her sibling has changed over the course of her life. Growing up, 
I wasn't very nice to my sister. She worshipped me because I was her older sister, believe me, for no other good reason. And she just wanted to be in my presence. She wanted to do whatever I did. And it was just, I found it incredibly irritating, which is terrible. It's natural to be frustrated by your sibling, especially when you have so much in common. And I couldn't stand the fact that not only did people think that we looked alike, but people thought we were twins. Like, they couldn't tell that I was older and more mature and worldly next to my sister. Siblings who are similar in age do everything together, especially when they share a bedroom. My sister was always in my space, and I... I couldn't take it. And she talked all the time as well, constantly. So I was in this room with her all the time, talking, she's talking, she's talking, she's talking, and I couldn't take it. And I think my parents took pity on me, actually, because I asked if I could take over my father's office. He had a, an office next to our room, you know, maybe a third of the size of our room. And I said, I didn't care how small it was. I just wanted to be, I just wanted a door that I could close. And they, I think they recognized that it would benefit both of us if we did not share a room. So I did get to move into my dad's office. And boy, did I lay down the law. My sister was not allowed in that room, in my room, without my permission. She would stand at the door frame with her toes just where the door stopped. And she would ask if she could come in. Now, mind you, I could go into her room whenever I wanted. That was not an issue. I got to, I called the shots. I just wanted to assert my power. And she willingly accepted all of these rules just so she could be in my presence. Deborah was trying to become her own person, and she felt like her younger sister was getting in the way of doing that. You know, when I look back, I remember all the ways that I tortured her, that I was mean, that I was selfish, that I just didn't care about her feelings. But when we talk about our childhood, she reminds me of all the times that I was a great big sister. And it surprises me because you would think when you talk to your younger sister who you weren't very nice to, you'd think that little sister would come back and have a long list. And then there was the time, and then there was the time, and I can't believe there was that time. And I was ready for it. You know, I was prepared when I asked her, what do you remember about our childhood? And she could only remember good things, like really nice things. She remembered that I taught her how to tie her shoes. She remembered that I taught her how to touch type on a typewriter. And I taught her how to do that without looking at the keyboard, which she loved. The beauty of having a sibling is that your relationship is forever, whether you like it or not. Deborah and her sister loved each other, even as their lives changed as they grew up. Eventually, I moved out of the house, she moved out of the house, I went to college, she went to college, and we both were excited to live our lives and become independent people, and we kind of grew apart for no good reason. We didn't have it, there was no falling out, there was no argument, we just were on our separate paths. When we grew up, we reconnected, but we reconnected in a totally different way. Obviously, we were adults, but we also had kids, and so now we were connecting as sisters who were also parents. And my sister had her kids before I had mine. So in a way, she was kind of taking on the older sister role in that she was experiencing these stages of parenthood before I was. And I wanted to hear what her experience was, and I wanted to get her advice. And she was very willing to give it, and I think it really made her happy to play that role as well. And the other thing that connected us was that we could see in our kids the same kind of dynamics that played out when we were kids, right? Here we had 
two siblings. She had two boys. I have two boys. And the younger one worships the older one for both of us in both of our households. And the older one gets really annoyed with the younger one and doesn't always play fair and lays down the law just like we did, just like I did with her. It's kind of crazy to see those dynamics repeated. Not because we certainly didn't teach them to behave that way, but I think it's something very natural that a younger sibling looks up to their older brother or sister and wants to be like them and wants to be where they are and learn from them. Sibling relationships like these repeat generation after generation, and as we become parents of siblings, it can change your perception. And even though those dynamics are natural, or it seems to be that they are, I still can't help but cringe when I watch my own two kids hang out together. I watch our younger son following his older brother around. No matter where he is, he wants to be there. No matter what he's playing, he wants to play that too. No matter how his older brother treats him, he wants to be in his presence. Even though I might be his champion, I might be his cheerleader saying, no, don't let your older brother boss you around like that. Don't let him tell you what to do. Tell him you're not going to play with him anymore if he's going to be like that. And he doesn't do it. He says, no, it's okay. I want to play with him anyway. And I just want to say, no, you don't have to do that. You can, if he wants to hang out with you, you can call the shots. You can make the rules, but he won't do it because he can't take the risk. He needs to be with his brother. And there's nothing I can do or say to change that. And it's painful to watch. And yet, it's natural. It's so interesting how Deborah's sympathies are with her younger son, the total opposite role that she had when she was growing up as the older sister. It was only as they were getting older that I got this great bit of advice that I wish I, wish I had said to them when they were younger. I wish somebody had said to me and my sister when we were younger. And that was, you don't have to like each other, but you have to love each other. And I thought that was brilliant. Why didn't anybody ever say that to me before? Because it just allows you, it gives you permission not to like your sibling. You don't have to like them. And that's okay. It doesn't mean that you don't love them. It doesn't mean that you don't have a connection to them. It doesn't mean that you don't share a history and a bond that is forever. It's a nice message that can help define a sibling relationship no matter how old you are. Today, my relationship with my sister is pretty much like it was when we were little. We still bother each other a lot, but as adults, we love each other. And even though we are very different people, we accept each other for who we are and we're grateful for each other. Deborah Goldstein is the writer and host of the Big Fib podcast and a big sister. Oh, Justin, I worry that this is something I'm guilty of. I'm the youngest. I worry that maybe I subconsciously am more protective mm. of the little. I know my husband does this because he had older brothers that beat him up all the time. Right. And anytime my oldest even like pushes the youngest, he goes just berserk. Like, don't do that to your little brother. I'm like, you are going through some childhood trauma, I feel like. See, I'm the oldest, so I was always in the, and it's hard being the oldest. It's not easy to be the trailblazer child, uh, Lynn, not to sort of be the the older sibling here on this podcast as well. <laughs> I do think about that, that you don't want to put too much pressure on the oldest sibling, like be the big brother. You're the one that's supposed to be the example. You're the leader. 
I would imagine just from what you're saying, it is a lot of pressure on kids. Uh, yeah, it can be. Um, and there, there's also the stereotype like, oh, you must have been so mean to your little brother. And I just wasn't. I was like, this is my best friend. I'm not going to be mean to him all the time. I, I think that the dynamic is so different for every family. But the one thing that I know and have seen is that in your adult years is when you really connect with your sibling. I still to this day call it yes. my sister, my older sister. I'm like, am I doing this right? Is this, you know, how am I supposed to handle this situation? She is always going to be that big sister to me. It's just now I know the value of it. This is exciting. We have a special giveaway for you this week. Ten lucky listeners will receive the first ever UV diaper pail from Munchkin. It has this UV light to kill up to 99% of bacteria and viruses. So be the first ten people to use the code FREEUV, one word, no spaces, during checkout at munchkin.com to get yours. That's the show, everyone. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Thanks for taking this wild ride with us. And thanks to our guests, Dr. Siggy Cohen and Deborah Goldstein. As always, thank you for listening. That's why we do this. We are a community here at Stroller Coaster, and it's all about you. So spread the word to your friends about our show. And thank you to Munchkin. No wonder they're the most loved baby brand in the world. You can find all of your favorite Munchkin products at Target. Hey, Lynn, I just wanted to take a sec and tell everyone about our other podcast for kids called Stroller Coaster Storytime. This is for the kiddos. Listen up. I love this. It's right there in the same feed. It's a bunch of um, kids' stories that we have our own creative spin on. Check it out. And now something every parent can use and certainly deserves. A timeout just for you. Munchkin loves our planet, which is why they've donated 3 million trees to the nonprofit Trees for the Future. This life-changing organization works with farmers to revitalize their land, end poverty, and become food secure, all while improving the environment. So for today's audio moment of calm, we take you to one of the most beautiful places on the planet, the Amazon rainforest. Enjoy relaxing, and we'll see you next time on Stroller Coaster.